prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The topic of this workshop is steps eight and nine. My name is Sue, and I'm a food addict, and I'm one of two leaders for this meeting. The other speaker is Christina. No, yes? Yes. We just met like five minutes ago. Um, the session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or on a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. Will someone please volunteer to be the timer? Awesome. Thank you. And if you want, you can hold these little signs up at the appropriate times. So, okay, I guess it's my time to share. Um, so I'm Sue. I'm a very grateful, recovering food addict. Hi, everyone. I'm grateful for three back-to-back, -back, well, three years of back-to-back -back abstinence. I'm grateful for 20 years of program, so it took me a while to get the hang of things. I'm a slow learner, apparently. And, um, and I'm grateful that although there are um, a number of you here, that it's not full to the brim with people because that was feeling a little intimidating. Um, <laughs> so I'll tell a little bit of my story, and, um, and then I'll talk about how this program works for me, and especially steps eight and nine. Can everyone hear me? I, I think I'm... Yeah, I'm... I'm uh, I'll try and stand still. <laughs> Not an easy task. So I came into program in 1998. I've, um, I, was a I was the diet queen. I did every diet known to mankind. And I came into program in, in 98 just really not knowing what else to do because um, I couldn't stay on a diet more than three weeks. That was about my max. I mean, I used to go on them and stay on them longer, but then after a certain point, I just couldn't do it anymore. So um, I had uh, many good years in program, learned a lot about the spiritual pro um, program and, and principles, but I, I never um, gave up my own will and um, did the program the way other people were telling me it worked for them. I always would say things like, I can't weigh and measure. Um, that's what I've always done with all these um, um, proprietary weight loss programs. I um, said, well, I, I can't give up. I mean, yeah, I understand the need to give up shower, uh, flour, sugar, but I did not think I needed to give up flour. And so I just always would put up stumbling blocks as to my own thinking and not realizing that it was my own thinking that really got me into this tr trouble to begin with. So uh, about three years ago, a little bit more than three years now, um, I finally had the relapse that I hope is my last relapse ever. Um, 
And I just said, I can't do this anymore. I really, I want to get well. So I found somebody who had what I want, because that's what the program says. And I'd had other sponsors, but I always picked sponsors that I knew, not that I could manipulate, but uh, but that if I said, I want to do it this way, not that way, they'd say, okay. That That's who I would always pick. But this time, I didn't do that. I picked someone who really had recovery. Um, I think that she had 15 or 16 years of solid abstinence. And um, so I picked her, and I started to work the steps with her. I started to commit my food. I weighed and measured my food. I did not eat flour. I did not eat sugar. I did not take any intoxicants in. And I still eat that way today. Um, And I'm very, very grateful for it. I thought it would be like being in prison, weighing and measuring and committing my food every day. Are you kidding me? I thought it would be like being in prison. And it wasn't. It It was the first time I felt true freedom around my food. So that that's one thing I'm very grateful for. And the next thing I'm very grateful for is that um, the steps, working the steps, has given me a new life that I never realized would be possible. Um, doesn't mean I don't ever have troubles. I do. But once I put down the food, all these emotions came up, and I didn't know how to deal with them, because food had been my coping mechanism for all these years. And um, so once I didn't have that, you know, I was just rolling with difficulties all the time. Um, So that's kind of the beginning of my um, recovery, and abstinence is great, and it's wonderful, but for me, it was the starting point. Um, and that working the steps has really been where the real miracle has happened. And the real miracle started for me at steps eight and nine. So I was very excited to, to see that this topic was still open because um, I thought it would be a good topic. And I thought I would bring um, a real-life example of how this process works for me. Um, and I'll use an example from yesterday. I hope I don't owe anybody an amends in this room because um, I was not in a good mood yesterday. And I was um, at the registration table and at the um, service sign-in table. And I was um, what the big book describes as restless, irritable, and discontent. And I was all puffed up. Um, I was self-righteous. I didn't feel like I needed any of this stuff. I got recovery, you know, and I was I was bored. I was I was nasty, critical, judgmental. Um, you guys are probably all going to get up and walk out now. <laughs> I, I wouldn't blame you if you did. But anyway, I snapped at a woman at the registration table who was trying to help figure something out, and I was not nice to her. So um, I didn't stay for the speaker last night because I didn't feel like I could deal with being around people anymore. Um, So I went home early, and I didn't spend time with God last night. That's not really my custom. I like mornings better. So I basically spent time with me and my iPad games last night. Um, And I wasn't exactly feeling sorry for myself, but I was feeling very tired. I had used a lot of emotional energy 
with all that anger and resentment. So this morning I got up, and this morning I did spend quiet time with me and with God. I, I let God in this morning, and um, I looked really hard at my behaviors yesterday and the resentments, you know, and I was thinking, what, you know, what is this all about? And I was asking God to help me to understand what was going on with it. And um, I was, um, I wasn't sure at first, but part of my process is to to look at, and sometimes I write, and sometimes I just think it through because I've done enough ten steps to to recognize that you know sometimes I need to write and sometimes I don't. Um, but I was, I so I asked God, so what's the truth here? What is the truth? Can everybody hear me? I, I'm not I'm not one to stand still. It's okay. Um, so what's the truth, God? Um, I didn't know what it was, but the truth was, and it came to me as soon as I asked, I was terrified of speaking today um, in a room full of people from all sorts of exotic places like New York and Ontario. And <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm used to speaking in a meeting in Portland, Maine. Oh, I didn't tell you I'm from Portland, Maine, right here. Um, and, you know, meetings I go to are maybe 15, maybe 20 people. And I know them all. So I was really, I was fearful. I was afraid that the recovery that I had was not good enough. And that I wasn't good enough. And that is a common theme in my fears. And if I'm not real honest with myself, it's going to show up as a resentment. That's how it always starts. If I'm really honest, then it'll show up as a fear. But underneath the resentment, if that's how I experience it first, it's always a resentment. Um, and it's often I'm not good enough. I'm very perfectionistic. It's one of my character defects. And so, you know, I was worried about not being able to do <clears throat> get up here and, and explain my um, experience with the eighth and ninth step well enough. So, so what, what did I do when I had those um, snappy behaviors? Well, I already told you I was snappy at one woman um, who I didn't know. And, um, and then I went to three of my OA friends, and I did some complaining. Not, not about this person, but just in general, you know. Um, I did a little gossiping. And um, and all of those behaviors are not okay in my program. Um, so the whole process of the miracle really started for me with step four. I learned how to do the turnarounds and 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 understand my resentments in a in a clearer way, and um, and then the fears. In, the, in also a, a much clearer way. And then I looked at the um, defects of character, and, and then I looked at, did I owe somebody an amends? And then I made it right away. So that's what I did this morning. That's um, the meat and potatoes of the program. <laughs> Sorry for the, the um, metaphor, the food metaphor. But, but that's where it really started to come together for me, is step eight and nine. Um, 
I experienced the miracle of abstinence early, as soon as I stopped trying to do things my way. As soon as I was willing to listen to somebody else give me instructions and do it her way, I experienced the miracle of abstinence. What I experienced at steps eight and nine were the uh, miracle of... So it went from surrendering my food to surrendering my huge ego. Um, And that's what steps eight and nine do for me. Um, I've learned that if my ego is there, and it was big time yesterday, that God cannot be there. The two cannot coexist in me at the same time. Um, And so sitting down quietly this morning, looking at my behaviors, recognizing that I did owe at least one amends. I actually made four amends today. But the, the, the really important was one was the woman I snapped at. Um, and, and that's, and so what happens is you recognize, this is how it worked for me. I say you, but I mean me. Um, I recognize my behavior through doing the, the writing and the, and the, the 10th step or fourth step. And then I, um, own the behavior by making the amends. Um, and so I found this woman this morning and the way I was taught to make amends are, um, not to say I'm sorry, but to say I was wrong to treat you that way. And this is the really amazing part of this story. I came in, I did not know this woman's name. But yesterday, when I was at the registration table, on the back, she was trying to help me solve this problem. So on the back of one of the lists of all the members attending, I wrote her phone number down. And apparently I had written her name down, but I forgot. I had forgotten the name. So I I knew I could try to find her if nobody had destroyed that list. So I flipped it over. The first page that I flipped over was the one with the name and the phone number. So I called it, and and she picked up the phone, and we're talking. And all of a sudden, I realized she's like three feet away from me. And we're... (laughs) We're talking on the phone, and here she is. So we, I said, hey, you know, there you are. I said, I, I really need to make an amends to you. So we, we just went, and we sat somewhere, and I, I told her that, you know, my behavior toward her was just not acceptable, and that I was wrong to treat her that way, and that even though I'm working on that kind of behavior, it pops up sometimes, and I just want to own my mistake. Um, of course, she understood and um, it was it was a good experience for both of us, I think. Um, I also made amends to the three other people that I had done some gossiping and complaining to. I didn't know in those cases if I had done harm, and that to me, that's the measure of whether I owe an amends. Did I do harm? If I harmed someone, then I owe an amends. I didn't know in the other three cases, but I know how it feels sometimes to me when somebody gossips and complains. So I figured, well, maybe a little bit of my poison got in, and I and I just didn't want to do that. So I just wanted to own that. I, so I did to the three friends, and, and none of them really thought I owed an amends, but it felt better that I got it, out, got it cleaned up. So what happens is, uh, and amazingly, I'm not in a bad mood today. <laughs> I mean, I still have ego. There's no question. But God is welcome today. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm experiencing the, um, what is it? Jo- um, wow. 
I'm blanking. Um, joy, um, joyous, happy, and free. Is that it? Yeah. I'm joyous, happy, and free today. I'm enjoying everybody I'm meeting and people I'm not meeting. And so it just goes to show me that when I am pissy, which I can get, that it's my ego getting in the way and not allowing God in. Um, and that is how humility works for me. If my ego's there, I'm definitely not humble. I mean, my ego can work in the opposite way, too, where I think I'm just, you know, hor- the worst thing ever. That's ego also. Um, we don't often think of ego that way, but I'm, it's all about I'm horrible, you know. Um, that's, that's ego, too. It's not humility. Um, but the humility is the getting rid of the self-centeredness and the selfishness and uh, that self-righteousness by just allowing space for God. And that's how the Eighth and the Ninth Steps work for me. And I'm so grateful I have this program. Um, I'm grateful for the abstinence. But again, if you're new, don't stop when you're abstinent. Keep going. The steps are capable of creating such miracles that I never would have thought possible. And I think I'll just close with that. Thank you. And our next speaker is Christina. Hi. My name is Christina, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, and it's really an honor and privilege to be here, and it's a little scary. So um, I'm nervous too, um, and um, I'll just tell you in a few minutes my my story in a couple of paragraphs. I am a compulsive overeater. I believe that I was born a compulsive overeater. Uh, in my heights of my insanity, I uh, gained and lost 40 pounds, and that's a lot of sugar, a lot of sugar. Um, and um, the insanity and uh, guilt and shame and, and uh, waking up sick and crazy and guilty and all of that, you know, I... I don't have to tell you. You probably know. So I'm coming from heavy-duty um, compulsive overeating, heavy-duty binges. So when I came to OA, it was like, um, you know, something that I could not imagine um, the the joy and re- joy and release. And number one, I, I thought that I was the only one in the universe that was binging and doing stuff with food. And it was like immediate fellowship of knowing that there are other people that like like me because I felt so alone and afa- afraid and scared. So OA saved my life. Um, I've been in program for 39 years. It'll be 40 years next year. And I've been uh, abstinent, binge-free for 35 years. And I am one of those um, cases that one day I was binging and then I was not. Uh, and it's like I was hearing here, here uh, many times, I didn't do anything. The only things that I did, that I was absolutely desperate. I tried 
everything um, to to do it on my own, including being in program for uh, like four years. And I I was told to do ninety meetings in ninety days. Well, I'm overachiever. I did thousand meetings in thousand days. They told me to do four step. I did the four step the first three months. They told me to make amends. I made amends immediately. I follow instructions, and I thought that I would beat this disease because I am awesome and I take actions and I am better than anybody else in this room because I. I know how to work this program, right? And uh, God was saying, I have time. If you think you can do it on your own, I have time. Go ahead. Go ahead. So um, after like four years, I came to absolute crash. And I begged God, begged God. I said, I'll do anything, anything, anything. God, you help me because I cannot help myself. I've done absolutely everything. And I've done everything. And uh, and I was relieved of binging. And um, unfortunately, I've been um, suffering with uh, slips, and I've been had another um, miraculous healing like six months ago. I asked two angels, look like people, but I know that they're angels, to to pray for me. And I said, I need more healing. And um, and I receive it. It's in the last six months, I've been really free of slipping. And um, right now, before what I did, I when I woke up, I the first thing that I was thinking, how clean I was yesterday, what wrongdoings I did yesterday, what what I ate that I shouldn't be eating. And in the last last six months, I I wake up and I said, I was okay yesterday, you know, and that's such a wonderful feeling of living guilt-free. And um, also um, the thing that that I love is that um, I am free of food, but now the next thing is like, I just, I just love that, that the recovery never ends, right? It's like you, I thought, if I'll just stop binging, I'll be fine, right? If I'll just stop sleeping, I'll be fine. Right now, uh, my next recovery, it's myself, uh, the body image. And uh, that's like five hours, so I will just skip that. Um, terrible, terrible. You know, like, I um, I have no idea, you know, how, how I look or if I'm obese, if I'm overweight, if I'm horrible, if I look like a model, you know, who knows, somewhere in between. So, anywho, um, this is this is about six and seven step, and the reason that I I hate this microphone, hate it. Um, the reason, and I cannot even read, right? Uh, the The title is self discipline and love for others, and I love that because there's something that happened in the uh, eighth and ninth step when I made my amends to my parents, to my ex-husband, and a few other people. Um, this was like the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, when I came to program, I was 31. If you do a quick math, you will see how, how old I am. But anyway, uh, it's like not going to bathroom for 31 years, and suddenly you go to bathroom, you feel great. So I felt, 
I felt great. I, I had so much emotional sludge in me, you know, so much resentment, so much hate, and I had, you know, I came so green. I, I never been into therapy. I never had any spiritual anything. I was just, you know, totally self will run riot. So I was ripe, ripe for uh, for recovery. And um, what I wanted to read to you, if I can with this awful um, microphone, uh, the beginning of um, eight step, because it's just what, that's what I want to talk about. Um, step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. In our days of out-of-control eating, most of us were so obsessed with food, we had little time to develop or nurture effective relationships with other people. When we were eating compulsively, we may not have fully realized how we had isolated ourselves. We may have felt that once the food problem was solved, everything in our lives would be satisfactory. When we did stop eating compulsively, however, we usually found that our defective ways of dealing with others were a source of pain for us. And uh, that's where OA comes in. And I believe that addiction, any addiction, not only compulsive overeating, but alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, it's all based on relationship to myself, relationship to you, and relationship to God. So um, that's what the beauty and wisdom and miracle of this program is, uh, of uh, healing and recovery in relationships. And uh, there's something about making amends. I didn't know the reason that I make amends because I was told to make amends. I had no idea where I was going. The only things that I knew, I was ashamed, I was scared, I felt I thought that I would be humiliated if I would tell anybody that I did anything wrong and asking them for forgiveness, for make amends. In my family, we never said sorry about anything, you know, so that was a totally new thing. And what happened was that the recovery of self-love started. There was something about making amends to you that helped me make amends to me. Like you were, you were talking about, you were talking about making amends, and voila, you started to feel better. Surprise, surprise, right? So there was something about loving another person that helps me to love me. There's something about accepting another person that helps me to accept me and to respect me and to love me because you know what? We all humans are the same. It doesn't matter that if you're black or white or pink or green or yellow, we all want to be loved. We all wanted to be respected. We all wanted to be seen who we are. And um, you know, if I, before, if I was so angry that you didn't see me, but the thing is, I have to see me. I have to know who are my character defects and who, what are the, my character assets to love and cherish me so you can love me 
Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Not everybody thinks that I'm great. But you know what? That's okay, because I think that I'm great. Um, and um, the thing is that recovery continues. And um, and I made many, um, I call it 10-step um, inventories. And usually, they're all about people. They're all about people. People, those people that irritated me, those people that I could not stand. The my boss, my uh, this this woman in church that drives me insane. Right. So uh, Carl Jung said that everything that irritates us, it's a material to see what's happening with us. And um, I was talking to Sue earlier, and. Uh, she was saying, yeah, we, we have to continue. We have to continue. And sometimes I made the um, inventory, and it still didn't work. So uh, fortunately, Big Book tells us that what to do in such cases. In um, page 552, it tells you what to do if you have a resentment that could not be cleared before. <clears throat> and it's from Freedom of Bondage. If you have a resentment you want to be free of, you will pray for the person or the things that you resent, you will be free. If you ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even if you don't really want it for them, that's a good one, right? And your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks, and you will find you have come to mean it and to want it for them, and you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. And I think that it's um, amazing. It's psychologically so acute because, you know what, when I have resentment or hate towards somebody, I am separate for this pe from this person. When I pray for them, suddenly I get connected to them, you know? And it's something miraculously happened that, that the hate and the resentment and the irritation, it's lifted from me because I'm praying for them. And when I'm praying for them, I mean I want them to, to do well and to, to have everything that I want. So... Um, <clears throat> How much time do I have? Okay, wonderful. So um, I'm very big on um, self-love. And, um, oh, wow. And I wanted to quote a couple people, big people. I love what other people are saying better than me. And the first one is from Buddha. So um, he knew you yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. And I just, I just love that because, you know, I am just, um, I'm very much like you. And I need to make, I need to make friends with myself. You know, I've been my own enemy for years and years and years. And I want to be kind and gentle and I want to, to love myself. So, uh, program is teaching me that it's not only okay, that's what I have to do. And I want to end with a quote from Mandela that it's a love and I shared with many people for many years. Okay, you ready? 
Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, I like that, our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine. As we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And I thought that it was just wonderful, and it's, it's all about light and shining, so perfect. So I'm done. Thank you. So this workshop will end at 6 p.m., and we'll now open the floor for three-minute pitches. I, I, I like the word shares better. Um, the timer will signal you when you have one minute left. If you would like to share, please come to the front of the room and form a line to the right. You must sign the release form, which is over on this end of the table, before you speak. Step up to the microphone and introduce yourself. Tell where you are from and how long you've been in OA. We would like to remind OA members who are in other fellowships to speak only of your personal recovery in OA. Please stick to the topic of this meeting. For those who arrived late, the topic of the workshop is steps 8 and 9. The meeting is now open for sharing. We have time for eight shares, apparently. So come on up. Hi, everybody. I'm Kimberly. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Kimberly. And I'm from West Hartford area, Connecticut. I've been in OA since uh, 1986, abstinent for 32 years, maintaining a 65-pound weight loss, uh, thanks to the, the miracle of this program. And uh, a couple of random thoughts on steps eight and nine. First of all, thank you both. Um, May list of all people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And uh, a couple things that are important to me in that is, one, I, I make a list of people that I've harmed, and um, in doing that, I, I do that with a sponsor because there, there are people that I feel guilty about something in my relationship with them, and it may or may not be that I've harmed them. So I put them on my list, but I'm going to review that list with my sponsor before I move on to step nine. Um, the other thing that is really very important, and I loved what was said is um, about step nine, about not apologizing but saying I was, I, I was wrong. Um, if, if I haven't harmed somebody, I may owe them an apology, but I don't owe them amends. There's a big difference between apologizing and making amends. I've heard people say, I need to make amends for being late to the meeting. 
No, you need to apologize and change your behavior maybe, but I, I don't know about amends. The other thing about step eight for me that's really important is a concept of willingness. Um, I can be willing to do something that I don't want to do. And that starts from step one, right? I, probably none of us woke up one day and said, whoopee, I'm going to go to OA. But we, but we were willing and we came here and whoopee, I'm going to turn my will and my life over to my sponsor or <laughs> our God. Uh, but we were willing to do something differently that somebody suggested. And same thing with um, step eight is I can become willing to make amends to them all. The interesting thing about willingness is a lot of time action leads to willingness. So for me, today when I have people uh, do their eight-step list, the last thing we do is categorize the amends and amends I'm willing to make now, when amends I might be willing to make soon and amends I'm not sure if I'll be willing to make because as I make those first column amends, the ones I'm willing to make now, I get more willingness. Uh, it's easier to contemplate the, the, the really scary ones. And then as I do the kind of medium ones, I'm not too comfortable, uh, that willingness just leads to more willingness. So more willingness comes as I st- take step nine. Thank you. Hi, I'm Cheryl from Bath, Maine. I've been in program for 32 years. Um, when I came to Steps 8 and 9, and um, the first person that um, I made amends to was my mother. I grew up in a very emotionally abusive household and physically abused household, and um, and she was like my tormentor, and I picked her first. And And she was very helpful because she added stuff that I forgot. You know, so she just added stuff, you know, and everything. So I got that all over with. And I realized afterwards that after I made amends to, and it got nicer as I went along, people were so wonderful. And I realized that there, the hardest part was to make amends to myself. And, sorry, um, that I didn't deserve to be beaten. And I didn't deserve to be thought of like I was didn't measure up to other people but the wonderful thing about the amends was um afterwards my family my my siblings and especially my oldest sister and her husband they would always say well Cheryl remember you did this and they try to humiliate me but after I made amends I was like Teflon you know they'd say oh remember when you did this and stuff and I said well I thought I made amends to you do I need to make some more and then it all deflated, and they were like, and it wasn't fun. And that's the thing that's the most powerful thing about making amends to me was that was my first step towards feeling like um, that I was equal to other people, that I wasn't down here somewhere. And that's the most powerful thing, and I'm so glad I made amends. Thanks. Hi, I'm, I'm Judith from Danbury, Connecticut, grateful, recovering, compulsive eater, and food addict. I've been in program since 1984, and I never like getting up to the microphone. I really appreciate, though, the, what was shared, and a, co- a few things came to mind. Uh, one was that when I first uh, made my list of amends, I didn't put myself at the top, and then my sponsor reminded me with all my destructive eating, you know, how I needed to put myself at the top of the list. Another thing that I was reminded was 
um, how important with the steps eight and nine, the forgiveness piece, um, to forgive myself for harms I had done and also forgiveness for harms others had done me uh, because sometimes, you know, I might have treated people, you know, not very nicely because of what they did to me. So I had to work on that forgiveness piece, and that was very important. With step nine, um, I don't get as teary-eyed, but it was such a miracle that I was in program when my father was dying, um, and I was um, physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. Um, but he was dying, and I just got into program, and I knew I wanted to have a relationship with him before he died. So my sponsor helped me. I had to revisit it, of course, because I did a lot of things pretty quickly. My amends was that I was sorry that I had not visited him um, with my family much, you know, through the years. And... Um, in fact, he said, um, I, I guess I, I'm sorry that I wasn't the best father I was or whatever could, could have been. I went to my sponsor saying, can you believe he said that? And she said, that's not why you went. But anyway, um, I wanted to have recorded that. But the, the truth of what happened was that we uh, ended up, um, you know, we visited more. And we had a wonderful relationship before he died. And I really owe it to this program and my sponsor. Thank you. Hi, I'm I, can you hear me? I'm Eileen, a compulsive over, closer. I'm Eileen, a compulsive overeater from southeastern Connecticut. Hey. Hi, and um, I just felt like getting up here and and sharing um, because I'm realizing, having attended this workshop and other workshops, that I really need to go back and go through the steps again. I realized this probably more a month ago. And this is really confirming it for me. The first time I went through the steps, I did it very quickly. I wrote bullet points down because, you know, I wanted to get through them as quickly as I could. It took me about um, two years even to do the steps in the first place because I could never cross that, oh, my goodness, I have to do step four kind of thing. So it took me a really long time. But now I realize that there's a lot of... of um, um, now that I'm at my goal weight, I became abstinent and finally reached my goal weight. Um, I realized that in order to achieve more serenity in my life, that's something that I really need to do. And in terms of the amends, uh, the biggest amends that I'll have to make is to myself, which I've made. But there's so many levels to, these pro to this program. And so it's really wonderful to know that there's the uh, opportunity to do that sort of thing. And there's a path and within the program and the steps to show me how to do that. And, um, and I'm really proud that I got up here to do this because I was really nervous. And so thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Donna. I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I've been coming to OE um, close to 28 years. And... Thank you. And I have a little bit uh, over a year of abstinence with a 30-pound weight release. Um, and I don't read your name. Sue. And I'm so grateful that Sue touched on the issue of um, step work when it comes to service in OA. Um, I know for myself, 
I had a lot of defects um, around service, a lot of fear around not being good enough. So I, 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 I didn't want to do service, but actually pushing myself to do service um, was very important to my current recovery. Um, you know, I could see the defects coming up, and um, there was mention of go- um, gossiping about program service work. And I, I remember doing that with an OA friend of mine, and um, later on, I, I, I saw the error of my ways, and um, I thought I owned her owned her amends, and I did go up to her, and I I, uh, apologized, um, or I I said I was sorry for my behavior, and that I I didn't intend to do that anymore, because that's part of the amends process, is also saying that you're not not just sorry for your actions, but you want to change your actions in the future, and she, she said to me, but I didn't think you did anything wrong. And I said, yes, I did. I planted a seed of negativity about something in the service area. And I said, if I hadn't planted that seed, you might not have had that seed of negativity. So I have to own that. And so today I'm very mindful that when I'm doing service, it might trigger um, my self-esteem issues that I'm not worthwhile. And so I, um, one of my ways to deal with that, which is maladaptive coping, is to gossip. And today I'm aware of that and I don't want to have to make amends anymore. So I'm grateful for, for, um, for hearing you speak on that. Thank you. So we do have time for at least a couple more shares. If anybody else wants to share, you can sign the paperwork after you're done. Um, I'm Amanda. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. I'm from Stratum, New Hampshire, and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you both for your service. And I thought I would share about one amends. Um, I find specific examples are really helpful for me. And when I did my writing, uh, my uncle ended up on on my list. We had lived uh, in my grandparents' house when I was in fourth grade, and my uncle had been away in the Coast Guard. And he was a collector of sorts, and he had comic books and all kinds of things in the in his bedroom. And we used to go in and play there because we loved all his stuff. And I liked the boy. I was only in fourth grade, but I did like the boy who uh, lived in the house behind us um, during that time. And there was a gold ring in there. It was a class ring. And so I took it, and I gave it to the boy next door. And I always felt really guilty as I got older and realized what a class ring was. I always felt very, very guilty about it. And to me, um, those things sit with us. And I had heard once that um, self-esteem doesn't come from how other people treat us. It comes from the esteemable acts that we ourselves do. And I believe that to be true. So um, in a snowstorm, after I'd been in program for a long time and had done a lot of my work, I had gotten to the point where I was ready to make an amends. It had been on my no list for a long time. And I called him up and asked him if I could meet him. And he said yes. And we met at Panera in Dover, New Hampshire. And I told him the story. And and I said, I'd like to, you know, make amends for you. I don't know how I can do that at this point of time. And he kind of looked at me and he said, that wasn't my class ring. (laughs) 
And he said, I didn't even miss it. He goes, I used to pick stuff up at yard sales. You could get gold back then, and I would resell it. And he hadn't even missed it. And he said, but, and I had also lived um, in my grandparents' house in uh, Dover, different home, when I was in college and with my great aunt for six months. And he said, but did you take the diamond ring that was, and I'm like, no, (laughs) because I guess there was a diamond ring missing at that time. And he had thought I had taken it. So I think God works in really funny ways. And, And I said, well, I'd really like to make amends to you. How can I do that? And And this is the gift that God gives us, I think, you know, when we become clean in our souls is what it feels like to me. And um, he said, Amanda, I had been inviting people to do a Yankee swap, my my family at my house for a little while. And I invited him and his wife, even though they weren't that close to our family um, at that time. And he said, you've been, you have invited me to your house for Christmas for these last like four or five years. And he said, that is my Christmas. That means more to me than anything. And you have already given back much more. And I was making amends because of this program and being a different person and trying to do esteemable acts. I had invited him and I was making amends before I even knew it. So anyway, um, hopefully that helps other people kind of fess up to things that are really difficult. Thank you. If anybody else wants to share, I think we have time for one more. Otherwise, I guess we... Oh, oh, oh! that's right. You almost forgot. Um, I guess we can just end early. So thanks, everybody, for coming. Um, the workshop is over. Say the serenity prayer. I almost forgot. Can we do it in this circle? Oh, great idea. Thank <laughs> you.